Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. So welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have with me Joe Aston, who is the Sales and Commercial Director at Aria Finance. And these guys are the UK's leading specialist finance broker. Now, today, we're going to chat through what the market's like at the moment, why he thinks that specialist residential lending has had such an increase over the last five years. And reading one of their blog posts, it's actually gone up 66% in the last five years which is huge. So we're going to get into that. But we're also going to talk about marketing and the merge that Aria had with two different firms in October to launch their brand new brand. If they've come up any struggles on there or what they're finding um, is good with relaunching a brand and coming up with new imagery and also about social media as well. So before we get into all of that, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, you will see that Joe has set up, there's a plant behind him and he's moved it into focus. And it, it's, it's something that if you're looking at mine, you'll see that there's a little cactus on the right hand side, which is on its last legs. So I think, is that a real plant as well in the background? Is that? Uh, no, it's not. But don't ruin the magic. <laughs> Plastic. If you listen on podcast, it's a real plant. If you're watching yeah. on YouTube, it's fake. So thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, mate. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be here. So Joe and I actually met walking up the Yorkshire Three Peaks, didn't we? We did it for the Crohn's and Colitis for the Craw- Pan Crawling up, yeah. Crawling up, I think, is a better phrase. It's a, a long yeah. day, right? We had, so we did it in just under 10 hours, didn't we? But I think I yeah. walked with Joe for about four hours. So yeah. I got to know him, got to know what he does and what he does with the business. And I thought it would be great to get him on the podcast and talk about everything that we spoke about in, in the four hours. Podcast isn't going to be four hours, by the way, guys. It will be about half an hour, so we'll try and condense it down. But how is – tell you what, before we get into business, give us a bit of a background to who you are, what you've done, and what you do on a day-to-day now. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, God, I can't remember a time before this business, really, or before financial services, but there was one. I was – I actually – I entered the industry from a completely separate industry. I was in recruitment, actually, and um, financial services was something I wanted to get into. I, I stumbled on, as most people do with, you know, a long-term employee, I stumbled upon Vantage Finance at the time. I was oh, taken yeah. on by Lucy Barrett, who's who's still our managing director now, and and sort of grew. And I'd taken a step back from management to enter the industry as a BDM, and it grew from there, really. And actually, that was a, a rapidly growing and well-established business with a really great reputation, which... I loved, I felt like I really just took that on and uh, it resonated with me. And as we've grown and we've developed and we were bought out by the Enra Group uh, and ultimately leading up to the merge last year with Enterprise Finance, my role's developed and grown and and here I am almost seven years later. So this wow. this business has been my home within the industry. It's varied, it's always been specialist finance. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I sort of do a, I do a variety of things in terms of what's the day-to-day there's, there's the operational side of helping to run the business from a, a P&L perspective, but overseeing the advising teams or administrative teams. And then I have sort of direct leadership over the sales function within our business. 
the vast majority of cases we deal with are introduced by other brokers and intermediaries. Right. So we have a B2B function where we need to make sure we have good account support there um, and great coverage over the networks that we work with and the DA firms that we support as well. Um, and then actually both Lucy and myself as directors within the business do run our own pipelines. So I have a case pipeline that's typically high net worth and um, portfolio finances, um, sort of your, your particularly complex transaction. So balancing time between those three functions, really doing some speaking, presenting to new brokerages, to the networks and events with running my own pipeline, that takes up uh, the most, most of the day. Most so do you still do advising yourself? Do you still get your quite hands on yourself? Yeah. So typically, I, you know, I, I, I run a reduced pipeline really in terms of volume, but then the value of that is proportionately a little bit higher. So generally it's with some of our um, higher net worth brokers. Um, there's a lot in the city in London, but you find them all over. And some of the best portfolios are up north and in the Midlands and brokers find these clients and these deals from everywhere. And I think sometimes they need um, a safe pair of hands that's worked on transactions like that before that understand that it's not a, there's no off the shelf product for most portfolios. Actually, it takes personal communication, negotiation, and the ability to influence specialist lenders at a more senior level. So yeah, both myself and Lucy, our managing director, run our own pipelines as well oh, as wow, our impressive. functions. Yeah. Because that's a hard thing to do to change so many hats during the day where you're you kind of your HR in one point chatting to staff and making sure they're happy. Then the next one, you're on the phone with a the client. Then you're speaking to an introducer. How do you make that mental shift? And this is a question for myself as well, because you have to go from designer to speaking to staff to then speaking to clients to then pitching. How do you change between those things? You know, I mean, there's the ideal answer that would be the, the postcards, you know, the Instagram post answer to you have got great balance and really good at delegating and time management. And actually, it's not sometimes it blurs into one. I think okay. you, you try you try and prioritize, you try and keep customers at the heart of what you do. So, you know, that that pipeline needs servicing. I've got a fantastic administrator who I trust and respect and who supports to keep things ticking on as well so that I can have higher mm. level oversight sometimes. Um, and we've tried desperately in the business to put really good people in place. I'm, I'll jump ahead, actually. I'm lucky I've, we've got a fantastic team behind us anyway and a team mm. that ultimately I really trust to deliver the service that we're advertising and that we're projecting that we give. So learning to trust them and to let them do things and to pass stuff off if it doesn't need you, I guess, is probably the best thing that we that I try and do. I don't always do it brilliantly is the short answer. And I can't remember the last 40 hour week that was actually worked. It's more like 50, 60. And, you know, I, uh, I get a lot of grief for taking laptops and phones on holidays and weekends and things like that. But, um, you know, it's juggling a lot of balls is, is difficult. And as long as you get a chance to step back and you have people around you, you can trust to support you. I think it's okay. That's certainly what helps us. And I think that's something that's echoed throughout all of these episodes is mortgage brokers that are listing. You are the ones that will take the laptop on holiday. The, it's it's people that leave a full-time job and think, oh, I've got the freedom now. It's actually, you're going to be doing more work, but hopefully further down the line, the the benefits outweigh the, the extra hours that you do. So you talk about portfolio um, landlords, products, different specialist lenders. 
obviously a lot of people listening to this will know how you work or how somebody like you works. But for the people that maybe haven't been in that situation, what do you actually do? How do they get in contact with you? What can you do for them? How can it help their clients? And the question that I asked you on this walk was, how do you make it feel as if that client is still dealing with John Smith rather than dealing with Joe Aston? Yeah, that is such a good question. I'm I'm such a huge advocate for this business model and this space. Regardless, if I take my ARIA hat off for a second, I think as a mortgage broker in the UK, um, the, the word I've been saying a lot in presentations recently is diversification. When a market tightens and you are dealing with one product predominantly, and it's a blanket statement there, but you're doing residential mortgages day in, day out. And we're seeing challenges now for that broking space with the rise of PTs, which are great for speed, but factually bad for income. And it, you know, it's a, it cannibalizes your existing market. You have to find new people, that's harder. Um, challenges in the remortgage space, people are holding off longer to remortgage because rates are higher now. A rising rate environment makes your job harder anyway. All of these contributing factors are making the standard job of a mortgage broker more difficult. And I think I'm a massive advocate for you have a choice. You either diversify yourself with extra hires, which carries extra cost and extra stress and extra risk. You either take time to upskill yourself to do another product as well, which again takes you away from your core business and carries risk and stress and time. Or you find a business that you trust and that you can refer these cases to and you add to your income stream and you diversify that, your actual commercial of your business, I think you can um, benefit from there. But actually from a reputational point of view, you then enhance yourself by offering Mm -hmm. a wider service to your borrowers, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's a no-brainer. I think engaging with a business like ours, and hopefully us, but if not, that's okay. I think that's it. I just think that's so important as a broker right now. Um, and and I think people work with us for a, a number of reasons. Firstly, I would always be really disappointed if a broker, upon completion, we've paid them a commission, the client's happy, we're happy, and that broker turns around and says, ah, oh, I should have done it myself. You've given the wrong case. Right, this should, right, this okay. should always be an outlet for something that you couldn't have done, whether that's that you don't have the core expertise, you might not have the permission, particularly in the second charge arena, which I'll talk about in a little bit because that's that's a huge market right now and an area for growth. Um, or you might not have lender access, so you might know what you're doing, but you factually can't place a deal with, particularly the challenger banks and a lot of the specialist lenders, they have capped agency. You know, utilize someone that can get you in there, just don't mm. lose the deal service your client base as well as effectively as efficiently as you can increase your earnings and your reputation so the service i think makes sense um and the truth is that nobody is wholly unique as well in our market i think we all have intricacies that differentiate us but i think the only way you truly stand out is the rigor in which you deliver the service so Mm -hmm. we're very lucky to have a premium reputation that takes a long time to build is easy to break so mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on our team and the guys in this business to keep delivering that because it's the only way that I think we keep that reputation and therefore keep business coming in. But that, that's really important to us. And we really value a partnership. So you ask, you asked, how do you make it feel like somebody's client? Yeah. Because it is your client. It is yeah. the broker's client. And you're not sure. there to steal that client. You're there to try and in, enhance the, and I'll talk about enhancing the offering, but you're there to enhance the offering of John yeah. Smith's mortgages, aren't you? For sure. And we, we proposition ourselves to the borrower. And I'll caveat this with, 
There are brokers out there who use us as a referral dumping ground, and I'm fine with that. Here's a name and a number, deal with it. I'm carrying on with my business. Just let me know. Oh, okay. But some people do that. But I think we all come off a little bit better when we, we describe ourselves as a working partner of yours. We're a working partner of your business that supports you in the specialist space. And borrowers get it, right? They just want a good service and they want the best loan option. They want the best product, best pricing, and they want to know they're in safe hands. So if you have put them in touch with um, an expert in the field and we then deliver that expectation you've set us, then I think that's a good thing. And I think we all come out well from it. From, a, from our perspective, we're not protective over the client, so you don't have to pass them on and walk away. You can stay involved, you stay looped in, copied into emails. It's trickier with the regulated side. Most brokers have a choice. They can either give the advice themselves and we will sit in the background and package that deal for them, or we can own the regulatory risk and take on the advice. But in those instances, there's a bit more of a black and white handover of the client, right? We have to get our information from them directly. We have to make sure we go through all of the regulatory hoops um, to protect ourselves, the borrower, the lender, and everybody involved. So, mm-hmm. um, but from a, the softer touch side, if we ignore those, those black and white hurdles, you know, they are always your client. You're always visible and you're kept mm-hmm. in the loop and you're kept updated. And on completion, it's up to you, John Smith's brokerage, to engage in that follow-up and keep close to them because we won't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are, they're still, that relationship is still yours to take advantage of. And, um, and, and the, the hope is that no matter whether deals progress or they don't, is that actually by referring them to a business like ours, we, we all get a better reputation at the end of it. People should always be left with a better impression of us, whether their deal completes or not, based on the service, the good guidance they've been given, some of the advice they get over the phone, that sort of conversation, um, I think should only ever add value. Yes, and that that's that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast because when we were speaking um, on this walk, we talked about everything, didn't we? You, mm. You've got to fill like five hours, and mm. we I was talking about how how do you, in one case, disassociate yourself as a separate company because if Smith's Mortgages could have done it, they would have done it, but then also show a partnership, and I think. I'll talk about social media a bit a bit further down the line because there's a great way to talk about how social media is important for you guys because it's a verification tool. But like you're saying there, you're still working in partnership with that mortgage brokerage opposed to taking the lead and we'll just deal with it. We don't want you to ever speak to that client again because we're going to deal with it. Yeah. So what would happen then? So somebody comes in, and this is just me talking very layman's terms. Somebody comes in for an appointment with Smith's Mortgages, and you look at all your high street lenders and your specialist lenders, and, and none of them can touch it because it's a bigger portfolio than they can touch. They will just phone you up, give them the details, and then you will go and give them a call. Is that how it works? Yeah. So it, to be honest with you, and I always, I find this a real struggle sometimes to communicate because it sounds, I think, vague and, and flappy, for lack of a, a technical term. But mm. we try and be as agile as we can in terms of and flexible for how a broker wants to work with us. So okay. some brokers like to pick up the phone and talk their deals through and their clients through first before they do anything else. That's fine. They can okay. contact me. They can contact their account manager within the sales team. They can call up the office and speak directly to an advisor. That's fine. Some people like to send everything they've got over an email. Great. Some people like to send a name and a phone number in an email. That's also great. But we also try and what we want to do, we, I just want no barriers 
for doing business mm. together. And I want the customer to feel that and the broker to feel that. So we have a live chat function on the website. We have a get in touch form. We have downloadable inquiry forms on our broker hub that people can go and look at. And actually, if you're a broker and someone comes in asking for a commercial mortgage, you might not know to no one's discredit at all. You might not know the questions that are needed to be asked. And actually yeah. we have we have forms on the website you can get on really quickly and collect and you know they're pretty thorough probably more so than you necessarily always need but you can collect that information up front and send over a really complete inquiry give it the best chance of getting very quick terms accurate deliverable terms that's always the aim as well and it just gives it the best chance of moving forward quickly so there i am so flexible and we as a business are so i'm keen for us to remain flexible with that mm -hmm. and i still have brokers who call me directly every day to just chat it through and half the time there are they're nonsense deals and that's okay because for the sake of a five minute chat we can we can get to Save the that time yeah, yeah and, and give the client you know some good feedback on what they're doing and ultimately you impress them on a non-starter i think you get the next good deal the value for us mm. is never in the transaction it's in our relationship with the broker and the reputation we leave the the impression we leave of ourselves and them to the borrower because and you, you can, can repeat business, right? Yeah, and you can hear that in your voice. You're very passionate about not only the 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 company and the service you provide, but the way that you provide that service. It's not it's not a one time deal. You want to build relationships with brokers that they will refer because I can imagine there's not much repeat business for you guys with one particular client. It will yeah. be repeat business from the broker, or is it's is that not? No, it is. It's, it's the vast majority is, you know, our, we, we are predominantly B2B. We are looking to build partnerships, relationships with a broker to enhance their offering. And actually, as a broker, you might find one second charge loan in a year and one bridging opportunity that you didn't yeah. think you'd ever touch. You earn X amount of thousand pounds from those two deals. Wow. Um, which could, which can change your income profile anyway across a couple of transactions. And we as a business, um, that's fantastic. I want you to think of us next time and then you get more confidence mm -hmm. to look for more of it. And it, we all we all grow together, right? We all succeed together. And the beauty of the one thing, the one thing I would say, if I reflect back on the early days of the business when it was smaller and harder and, you know, I was brand new to the industry as well. The thing that was never difficult is, the proposition or the sale, because we as a business and our competitors, this is this is the my specialist finance broker hat on rather than just ARIA, but we're not selling pens or TVs. It's not window sales. It's a, this is a service that can only earn us both money. And generally we both earn at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it can only be a partnership, right? With a broker that engages with us. And I think that's a good thing. We have a, we're all, we all have a vested interest in getting, aside from all the nice stuff, which we genuinely feel about helping a borrower, commercially speaking, we, we both only benefit when we succeed. Yeah. So how often, how regularly, how well can we succeed together? And, mm. you know, the results can be phenomenal. We've got some amazing wins and stories from brokers we work with, and I'm, I love hearing them. Hmm. You can you can hear that you're obviously very successful in in what you guys do. And looking at the figures, so talking about the figures of the um, how specialist residential lending has increased, 
66% in the last five years. Now, are we talking about second charges there with residential? Is that well well actually that's also on the first the specialist first charge side. So so it's a smaller part of what we do anyway, because um most of our brokers are doing first charge mortgages, right? So we don't push that on, but actually we're here for your really specialist support. However, you can't ignore the economic climate that we've got at the minute, mm-hmm. even what would be quote unquote normal borrowers in any other generation have suffered in recent times. We've had a pandemic, we've had a recession, and we're not out of it. We've got the energy crisis. So what do we see that makes deals a bit more specialist? We see a lot more adverse, and we're not talking Mm -hmm. bankruptcies. We're talking small defaults. We're talking more CCJs. We're talking all the little, what I would almost call hiccups on a credit file, which are now actually causing people difficulties in their you know vanilla high street remortgaging so Mm. our specialist residential space has grown and um has innovated and has widened its product range and i think has done a really good job but it goes into the it goes into the second charge market because what an unbelievable opportunity that is for for your listeners for brokers around the uk to find specialist opportunities and to support their borrowers where i'm adamant most aren't thinking about it and that again is to nobody's that's that's to you know to, to discredit no one at all i think i said the other day at, um, at an event that we ran if you, if you went out and asked 10 people on the street what's a second charge mortgage how many of the general public have heard of it how many know what a mm. second charge mortgage is I, i'm not sure i'm not sure you're consistently getting one in 10 i think it's probably less than 10 percent mm, very good point yeah and I just think actually our job, I, we've had a real shift in as a business, um, really trying to increase our education we provide to brokers so that they can then go and educate their client banks. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I would, what's the job, almost like a, almost like an ending note for me, but I would say if I left people with one thing from this podcast, it would be if you are a decent residential broker, as I'm sure most of not all are, you have a decent client bank in the background you've supported for x amount of years i would go out and reach out to everybody you've done a mortgage for between 12 and 24 months ago because you probably put them on a one point something percent mortgage Mm. which is phenomenal and they probably don't want to touch that and we would never no no one i think would advise them to break that step away we might not get down to those numbers ever again right so protect that rate as long as you can but if they need more money do they know that they can use the equity in their house with a second charge? Do they know that they can raise more money for all sorts of purposes and some really creative things as well? So the obvious two that people think of are, um, are debt consolidation, which obviously is that that scenario sort of brings itself to the fore. But home improvement is one of your big ones for the more affluent mm. areas, extensions and refurbishment. But actually, we see people pay for weddings with second charge mortgages. Oh, okay. We see people fund divorces. We recently did a second charge for somebody doing a round-the-world trip. Um, You know, we see people pay for their children's private school tuition, taking equity out of the family home to help son or daughter get on the property Mm. ladder, Um, paying for tax bills, using funds for business purposes, which most first-charge lenders wouldn't like as a remortgage capital raise reason or for a further advance. So there's all sorts of different reasons and rationales for raising money on a second charge that I think a lot of um, mortgage brokers in the UK probably have those opportunities in the background and maybe haven't thought to ask. Most brokers are concerned with preoccupying themselves in a completely understandable and great way 
touching the base with all of their upcoming expiries, right? Six months before yeah. they're reaching out, just so you know, I'm here, we want to do the remortgage. But I, as I say, I, for me, get something out to the people you've worked with a year ago, two years ago. Do they need? Do they have a need for more capital? Do they want to look at using their property? And why not? Why not expand your offering like that? I think it's the lowest hanging fruit in the market right now. There we go. That's a business tip for you. Go and go and get in touch with the people in the last two years that might be on sub two percent that you know aren't gonna aren't gonna go and take something at five percent now because they want to keep hold of that. Use a second charge mortgage. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, we've gone into quite a bit of depth there into what you do, how you help, and another a great tip there for people to increase their business. I'd like to talk about marketing social media. And the reason that I talked about social media before is I think it's very important for you guys, and you guys do very well at it. You keep your channels up to date with consistent content. The reason I would say it's really important for you and important for everybody is verification at the minute because – if you are calling somebody on behalf of Smith's Mortgages and your ARIA finance, where's the first place that they'll go? It used to be a website. Now I think it's making a shift to social media. Mm. And they just want to make sure, especially in the finance world, that you guys, one, exist, and two, aren't a fake crypto lending. Because that's what you see now. Yeah. That these, some of these, especially in the finance world, people want that belief. So. What do you you guys do on social media to keep yourselves relevant and appeal to your audience? What kind of stuff do you post? I think, so I, I mentioned to you earlier, I think, um, firstly, I, I think we could be a lot better, but we have certainly tried to, we, we've got two sort of, um, battles is too much of an aggressive word, but we have two, I guess, purposes that we're trying to get out here. Firstly, we're very aware we're an infant brand. So the merging of enterprise finance and Vantage Finance is great. And they were two 20-year-old businesses. So despite a combined 40 years in the market, we have a seven-month-old. Yeah. We, we, we have an eight-month-old name and brand. And mm -hmm. um, that actually presents its own challenges. So a lot of it is make sure people are aware of, I've seen that logo before. I understand that name. I'm aware of that brand. And if I hear that name, that immediately resonates with me that I, I think of a business that I have a subconscious baseline respectful and to do that i think we try and we try and put really decent educational stuff up we try and put a balance of um highlighting that we're an established business so we like to share our reviews we're, we're mm -hmm. really lucky we use a third-party reviewing system fifo and we've got a five-star rating on there and we get some great reviews so we like to share those and again it's giving people confidence that they they're working with a good business they're getting mm -hmm a partnership with someone they can trust and then i think it's just actually sharing our market insights we're lucky enough to be a you know one of the bigger boys in this space and we're one of the largest of our ilk you know there are others as well and we want to share the insights we get from a lending perspective from our relationships with the challengers the specialist lenders and um, we have a sistering business who's one of the largest non-bank lenders in the uk so naturally we get insights that i think need to be shared and when we see we're, we're lucky to be a diverse business ourselves already with products ranging from commercial buy to let seconds, bridging development and specialist first. Brokers need to know when one area dries up a little, where can I look, where can I go and survive? And I think back to COVID, that was such a big thing, right? People really clung to every lead they got because they needed it. Mm -hmm. And 
I think there's a there's a hint of that right now, and I I think it's no bad thing that people are valuing the inquiries they're getting in. We want to try and show people proactively, not reactively, where are good areas to cast your net, where should you be looking a little bit more, and where can you do more business. So we try and keep consistent. We try and educate. We're doing a lot more blog posts nowadays. Um, which this was websites as well. Before we get onto blog posts, so the social media content, and and this can apply whether you're B two B like Joey's or B two C. It's you're not not a lot of your stuff is calling for the business. You mm. do need to call for the business because otherwise people aren't going to know that you can offer them something. But you're positioning yourself as a as a thought leader in that area, aren't you? I, I recently saw that. that you released a post yesterday um, or last week, sorry, and it was about. Um, what another company was doing and what the market was doing and or you re you reposted somebody's post about 100% mortgages yeah now that doesn't take much effort to do but it shows that you're a thought leader because you're bringing on other people on board and you said something before we recorded this podcast what was your saying about the the rising rising um, I, I fully believe that a, a rising tide lifts all ships I love that expression and I just think mm. the better the better the the broking market does the more confidence the general public have in us all, the better we all do from it, right? The more that lenders get to lend, the more they can pump into innovation, to their product delivery, to their systems, the quicker we all do our jobs. I, I think it's it's silly to pigeonhole yourself as an island when I think we're a continent. And right? this, this, is whole, this market is, is linked, is interlinked. And I'd like to kind of pull that through to social media and use it in social media that it's exactly the same that if you can lift other people in your industry or other people in your village or town, if you're, I talk a lot about um, sharing other businesses posts and interacting with local businesses. If you guys are all working together, you're going to lift the profile of that town. Perfect example was um, Faye Jennings. Um, She's talking about how she put a comment on a local cafe's post or shared the post. I can't quite remember. I think it was shared the post. And somebody came into her office and says, I need to book an appointment. She said, oh, do you mind me asking where you came from? Well, I go to the cafe that you posted on social media. So I just I trust you automatically. Amazing. And that's, although that's a very different example to what you were talking about, it works exactly the same. And that's where I say with your content, you guys are sharing so much value, whether it be value from a written blog post, which we'll talk about shortly, or value from you shared somebody's post about 100% mortgages, not for your benefit, it's yeah. for that person's benefit because it shows, it, it puts their content out there, but it helps the consumer that is looking at your profile as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm... I also it's a, a big thing for me with our sales team. I'm a massive believer in a passive sale. I think if you, if you genuinely believe in what you're doing, and if you genuinely have passion about your product, your service, whatever your business looks like, I think you should be able to talk about it coherently and passionately, and you should be able to leave the room and people want to follow you out. And that's the best, that, that's my favorite kind of sale. And I think rather than asking for it or begging and, and there's at times you can see airs of desperation, which, you know, I don't think it always is, but I'm talking about the subconscious. I, I love what we I, I genuinely believe we're going back to us. Um, I sit with the team every day and I see them and I look at them, get stressed about something that's not going right. Not because of income, because of I told this borrower I'm going to do something. 
And I think if they're doing that anyway, and we're not even having to hammer them for it, we should be really proud of that. And I think we should tell people about what we do, educate them on where they can make their money, on where the, where the market's moving, how can they support their borrowers. And if we do it well, I think people will trust us to be the person they go to to then support them in it. And if they don't, and if they have a pre-existing relationship, if they work with someone else, that's also fine. One day they might want a second opinion. Great. Maybe they'll think mm. of us. One day something might go wrong. One day they might just stumble on us or not. And either way, it doesn't really matter. I think as long as people are well-educated and have a good opinion of you, it doesn't matter if they're engaging with you, that will bleed into other circles. They'll, they don't have to interact with social media posts for them not to see it. And that's what's key with, with your kind of content. And that leads me perfectly into your blog content. So you guys are really, um, and especially Lucy, um, who is the director of... Yeah, overall, Lucy, Lucy overall... founded Lucy founded Vantage Finance and is the managing director of ARIA Finance. now. That right, managed, okay. Yeah. And what I love to see is the managing director of the company and yourself are both writing content for the website. So you're delivering, you're telling people what's going on and it's coming from the very, very top, which I think is great not only for customers, but also for staff to see that you guys have still got your finger to the pulse. Where do you get those ideas from for blog content? Well, firstly, I think it actually stems from within because it stems from a, a passion for educating people. And that, I mean, you know, I, I work with Lucy every single day and she absolutely cares about making sure brokers are in the loop and up to speed mm. with what's going on and, and know about the market. So you know, products start to change. We get early wind of rates moving. We hear the gripes and the complaints of the wider broking market and where are they struggling. And I think we sort of, with the size that we are and the roots that we have within our space, I think we have a, actually, I think we have an obligation to help educate people. Mm -hmm. So finding out where, where people are moaning about, this is the problem I'm having. If we see a solution somewhere, we then want to share it on a wider scale. So I'd say our blog posts are done reactively more than proactively, but we try and move quickly. We try and be agile and we try and make them relevant to a live problem to offer live solutions and a live insight that we think will carry immediate value. Mm -hmm. so that, that's sort of probably the priority. And when we decide we're going to do something, we do it quickly. We also love collaboration. So we've been all year, we've lined up blogs that we're working with, with some of the big specialist lenders and challenger banks to co-write them and to co-approve content and actually make sure that not only are we giving our opinion as a, a broker in the space, but it's backed by a lender's insights on what they think pricing is doing and what does the lender want to see from a submitted deal and actually how mm. valuable is that coming through a broker outlet? I think that's really, really good. Lenders produce their marketing all the time, and it's more often than not rate-driven, product-driven, because that's the key thing. But we have the chance to be the voice for them and the microphone to say, this is what we'd love to see to get your deals through quicker. So I think a collaboration is a great thing. Would you look at a collaboration with mortgage brokers, you and mortgage brokers talking about blog? Because I know some big mortgage advisors that do blog posts. I think that would yeah. be a really nice link-up. Do you know, something I'd love to do, something we don't do enough of because, and I think maybe we've shied away from it because of some silly perceived, um, I don't know, arrogance, maybe or narcissism. We don't do enough case studies um, okay, yeah. because I think the majority of the market has similar case studies, lots of similar big loan wins or quick transaction wins. That's what you see. 
but I would I would love to I think I think something I would like to do later in the year is some sort of blog post with a broker that we've worked with and supported for mm. X amount of time who went from doing nothing in specialist to having a steady income stream through leveraging a business like ours. And again, I don't ever want them to read like a come and use ARIA finance. I think that would be yeah. the wrong that would be the wrong message. But this is the success this person's had in leveraging a master broker or a specialist broker as an outlet. You know, what a brilliant win. And we do it on a small scale with some of the networks. I like to shout about um, wins we've had with ARs to the rest of the network. I think that's good. But the wider market, we could do more. So that certainly is a blog that I'd like to I'd like to do. That's one for the future then. Mm, the future. Yeah. So if there is anybody out there that wants to um, connect with you, Joe, mm. where's the best place for them to do so? So um, obviously, um, keeping in with the theme, you can connect with me on socials. So I'm, yeah. I like my, I love my LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there quite a lot. So you can add me and message me on there, no problem. You can email me as well, which is joseph.aston at ariafinance.co.uk. So it's dead simple. Um, and I'm pretty responsive. Um, you'll get my phone number anyway from there. You can call me at any point. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty open, but we try our hardest as a business, despite being larger without being you know silly big um but we want to be really open and available at all times so if anyone wants to talk the market through or a deal or how do i start working with somebody or concerns they have you know they can call me or email me at any time awesome have a good chat with joe and as i thank you for coming on the podcast i would like to donate 10 pounds to a charity that's close to your heart which one would you like us to donate to oh well in the as two two midlanders as well on the call um right. <laughs> acorn acorns children's hospice which is in yeah. the Midlands, which is a, a brilliant place and i've done a bit for them in the past so that'd be great fab we'll make that donation for you well joe thank you very much for coming on giving us an insight into the business how you work and social media it's been really useful and i'm sure you'll have a few people reach out to you if not for a bit of advice but i'm sure to to start a bit of a partnership great well yeah i hope so we're here to help uh, anyone that needs it and listen thanks for having me on chris i appreciate it i love the podcast anyway so it's nice to be this side of the desk (laughs) awesome thank you very much joe really appreciate it thank you mate cheers So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.